0: So, um, my, my intro is also getting more elaborate every time. Every time I do a podcast, eventually it's going to get to like WWE style, nuts that's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, Are you ready to podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're introducing John Cena. <laughs> um, cool. So, hey everyone, and welcome back to the Land Party podcast today. I'm very excited to say that we've got the ultimate esports organism, Chris Smith. Chris, <laughs> tell us about yourself.
1: I forgot I told you that, <laughs> yeah. the ultimate esports organism. I have to <laughs> I have to dig up that photo. It was a meme that someone made of me what was it? many, many years ago. It was like 2013, I think it is. And there's a picture of me. Uh-huh. There was a, a classic thing in Thermaltake um, when I worked there of, of a lot of the Taiwanese workers lining up together after a trade show or after a you know, a consumer show and doing all thumbs up in a line together. And they've all got their arm extended with a thumbs up. So I did that with my guys as a bit of a joke in Melbourne when I did PAX Australia and someone cut me out and then cut my torso off and put me on, um, put me on some jello. And then (laughs) the caption was the ultimate esports organism. (laughs) And I have, I have no idea what it even means. I just thought it was funny. So it
0: doesn't really mean anything, but it's amazing. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the day that you asked me, like, what what should you call me, it came off my Facebook memories. So I was oh, like, is it? "Why not?
0: That is perfect." Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. That's that's your intro now. That is exactly what you're going to be known for. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much who I am through and through. But for me, like, you know, around my history in esports, um, I often say I've kind of sat on all six sides of the fence, really. So. Mm. I did a bit of everything and that's not, it's not even necessarily bragging. It's the fact that I couldn't find where my fit was in the industry and it explains right. as to where I am today. So I, I started off as a top level player in a few different games. So I played in some of the best teams in Australia for Battlefield 2, um, for Battlefield Bad Company 2. Um, then I went to Counter-Strike Source, a very hard transition, mm. nothing notable in there whatsoever yeah. and then on to counter-strike global offensive when that launched and we were in a top top four top six team in australia we'd play six the tournament probably realistically fourth i, th- I think that was awesome. um i also you know did a bit of everything else i became a commentator during my battlefield two days because that was quite interesting yeah. to me that allowed me to gain a lot of experience in the industry and get in the same way that i tell pretty much everyone to is just pick one thing and stick with it. So for me, I started doing commentary and then I started asking for more and more jobs within that volunteer organization. You know, I was commentating Battlefield 2 only, but then I was saying, hey, you guys aren't in Counter-Strike Source. I've just started playing. Can I do that? And they said, yep, go for it. And then I said, well, I want to do a weekly flash game review. Because you guys don't do any reviews. Can I do that? They said, yep, all right. And then I started commentating some COD4 and then their marketing guy left. So I started doing that. Then I started working with LAN parties to help us advertise them and them advertise us and us pass some stuff on, you know, you can see where this is going, et cetera, et cetera. I just started to take more responsibilities that enabled me to meet a guy called Jonathan Tiong, who's responsible for getting me into the industry. And he came to me and said, Chris, I'm a graphics designer, ad distributor for a company. And this company wants to launch a new um, business line within them uh, by running a $30,000 tournament. And I'm the only person they know that plays games and has run a LAN party before. So they've told me I have to do it. Please help. I have no idea. So I said, all right, no worries. I'll, I'll help you out. So it was a bit of a trial by five for both of us. But, yeah. you know, we ran what I believe was at that time the largest prize pool tournament in, in Counter-Strike Source in Australian history. So it was about, in AUD, 15K of cash, 15K of prizes. Um, wow. And, you know, good. it was an online yeah. qualifier. So live finals, we had seven teams at the live finals. And we also tried to pioneer... Um, supporting teams to get to that event as well. So if you were the top six teams, you got $1,000 each to help with your flights and accommodation. And then teams seven and eight got 500. So ran that. Um, The company I did that for, Thermaltake, liked what I did, offered me a job. Moved up to Melbourne, worked for them for four years as a community and esports manager, um, which is, you know, a great part of my growth because really I had no idea what I was doing and they'll pay mm. me to figure it out. <laughs> um, so I did that for four years, trade shows. I managed one of Australia's first professional gamers over that period of time, a guy called Jared Pig Crensel was his sponsor and his manager, as was very common in those days.
2: Okay.
1: Um, was a semi-pro CSGO player during that time as well, then started Um, running my own counter-strike tournaments i'd either run them play in them or run them and commentate them Mm -hmm. both things i would not suggest Um, a lot of hard work and and you don't run a quality product if you do that
0: um
1: and yeah ended up leaving that went to kind of kind of went to leave the industry but kind of half left i um Mm -hmm. went to study social work for a year um, but over that time I was a journalist as well for about a year and a half okay. um, just doing news and reviews smartwatches, smartphone reviews audio and, and just general consumer news yeah motherboards get released etc um, and then I got headhunted back into the industry by Corsair they said hey we want our, to have a first employee in Australia we'd like you to apply we think you're what it takes and so I said no, then I said yes, then I applied and, and got the job. So I worked for them for two years, ended up leaving to run my own thing. So like, as you can see here, you know, if you were, if you were at a Intel Extreme Masters esports event, I've been there as a tournament operator, yes. as the stage host and commentator, as the player, as the player manager, as the sponsor um, as the VIP, as kind of everything, you know, yeah. done. A, I've built the servers for Counter Strike events and done them. I've done the back end of of uh, you know audio and visual. I've literally built the PCs and the streams mm-hmm. to set them up, and you know, so I've kind of sat on all six sides of the fence and done a bit of everything. But what I realized for me over that period of time is I had so many different goals. You know, to be the, the most um you know yeah. famous and accomplished commentator in the world to be the best counter-strike player in the world yeah. to be the best battle for two player to be the global head of marketing for thermal take or corsair you know and, and all of these goals change over time which is why it's healthy to have goals and it's also healthy to change them if need be but for me it was more like a i don't like being stuck to one thing or one brand that's definitely yeah. not about me at all um and b um i like working on the industry instead of in the industry so it brings me to you know where I am today with a lot of what we do is helping people monetize in new ways, bringing new brands into the market, mm-hmm. and um, you know new different different ways to make money and different ways to think about things. You know in the in the past I did a lot of work like this with computer modders, people who cut up and paint and yeah, make PCs look awesome. And same thing, you know I distinctly remember remoting into a guy's computer with a invoice template and going over with him this is what this line means here's how you do an invoice i remember yeah, right. helping them run through how to apply for an abn i remember passing them on to a lawyer i remember passing them on to an accountant this kind of stuff you know hand holding throughout that yeah. period of time but you know what that's that's exciting to me because these guys were working 60 to 200 hours on a project and getting paid in computer components for multi-million dollar companies so yeah. they're being ripped off entirely and yeah. they were taught that that was okay which is which is really annoying absolutely um, nice. But, you know, I've done that and I've done the same thing with influencers. I I sponsored an Mm. influencer called Oasis on Overwatch when I was at Corsair. I was her first sponsor and um, fantastic streamer and awesome person. But, you know, I had multiple hour long calls with her and her boyfriend on the phone saying, look, this is what the sponsorship means to us at Corsair. Here's how it works for you. Here's some examples of other people who have sponsors. Here's why we're paying you this much. And then when we sent them the contract, I was like, here's what the contract means line by line. Mm. you know here's what the deliverables portion means here's what non-compete means this is why you're not allowed to use razor products you know ex- yeah. and answering every single question they can throughout that period of time but what you find is then you have a friend for life and you also have someone who will follow you and do projects with you that may have a low chance of success or yeah. they may just be much more likely to entertain future things with you because you've yeah. spent that time you know even to if they got them. a better
0: offer from someone else they're They've kind of built that trust
1: and, like you sort said, of friendship with you. Yeah, yeah. And what you find is now that we're doing much more complex and in-depth things, they're more likely to entertain that. Because mm. often, if you're an influencer, you know, if you've got a million subscribers, you're getting 10 emails a day from junk apps that are trying to,
0: yeah.
1: you know, take advantage of you, pay you, you know, a, a dollar per million views to expose yeah. to your audience, and, you know, devalue your brands by promoting some shitty app that barely works. Um, yeah. So you know, you've, you've got a lot to filter out and your defenses are quite high. So if you can use someone like me, and this is me justifying why we exist as a company. Sure. If you want to do a mass campaign with a, with 200 streamers, that's probably not for us because yeah. we're much more personable. But if you want to do something real and tangible, let's say you've got a seed stage company, you want to partner with a, with a massive influencer, like a Keemstar or someone from phase, you want mm. to provide them with equity in the company for promotion. Yeah, that's something we can help you out with. We've had those okay. discussions before. We're that's working on those with some people. So it's those difficult problems we like to solve, those in-depth ones. But hey, mm. if you want 100 streamers, go to WeHype or go to Stream Labs or someone like that. Stream Elements, you know, yeah. they're perfect for you. But and that's okay. That's part of a marketing campaign. But understanding where we fit in the market, it's when things become difficult. It's when um, one of our clients, Unicorn, came to us and said, "Look, Chris, we want to do influencer promotion. We've tried. It's too hard." Can you just do it for us? Um, And, you know, we slogged through, but I could see why it was simply too hard for them because it was almost too hard for us to do, you know, a lot of these campaigns, dealing with influencer managers and influencers and them having their walls up and it it being a wagering product as well, trying to decide what the perfect game was, what the type of channel is, making sure they got the right audience. You know, there's so much to take into account. So once again, it's it's all about that. It's all about that hands-on, hands-on stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And that's um, big esports, isn't it?
1: yeah pretty much i mean we're working on that we do a bunch of strategy we're getting some brands into the industry we we're talking off camera before about some some stuff we're trying to work through at the moment we get new brand in um awesome. we're you know working with some esports teams and such for strategy you know anyone from lower yeah. tier to we've been in conversations with team og for quite some time about helping them out in some various ways which would be awesome if that comes to fruition because i'm a big dota fan yeah um to you know, doing some seminars and education and speaking and stuff, you know, it's kind of where I cut my teeth a lot, is is uh, you know, our investors, they were a client of mine to begin with. And yeah. you know, I enjoy educating people on the market, providing them with ideas of opportunity, helping them to understand their placement and, and to give them a picture of what the whole ecosystem is. So I guess, yeah, it's cut up into, into those few different sections around influencers, around the education and consultancy. Um, and we're also doing some work with sports and helping them to understand how to activate on gaming. Not not so much esports okay. as a marketing vehicle.
0: So like um, like football going into the gaming world, or is that kind of what you're you're going through?
1: Well, most of these sports have a problem to solve, right? So yeah. if you're the PGA, and I, I really need to yeah. dust up on my numbers, but I believe the average hmm. PGA golf fan is fifty one years old. So yeah. in thirty years, your fans are literally dying, and if you keep <laughs> if you keep having your um, you know, your average age go up as they are. What happens when the average age hits 90 and the average life expectancy is under 90? You can mm. see what happens there. Your audience is literally going to be dying off <laughs> figuratively yeah. and literally. But also the fact of you're only hitting one segment of the market. You're only hitting these kind of people. You know, every, every, the typecast of a 50-year-old isn't the same as a typecast of a 15-year-old. They're going to have very different spending habits. They're going to like different types of products and you're really um, limiting the amount of things you can do in that audience as well. You know, a person who's, if, if you've got an audience that's 15 to 50, you can have so many different brands that fit within that market. A youth culture brand that focuses on streetwear and, and golf safe could sell to someone younger, yeah. whereas someone a bit more astute and, and a bit more relaxed and calm can sell to someone that's older. The same way you've got a Mercedes versus a BMW versus a Ferrari versus a Lamborghini. You can buy yeah. all four of those brands. You can buy a car at about 200,000 USD, but they're all yeah. for different types of people. Exactly. So if you're thinking about that, a lot of the other problems they, they may have is live attendance. Let's say cricket in Australia okay. is a game I grew up playing a lot. Live attendance is very poor at the moment. So can you use influences and in gaming to draw people out of the woodwork? If you think about mm-hmm. golf, who we talk to a lot, um, golf in Australia, they're quite innovative. You know, the Victorian Open was the first ever tournament to have mixed men and women playing in the same tournament together. Oh, okay. um, so for them, it's how can they do more innovative things and support new audiences if you're thinking about the AFL, Australian Football League in Australia, it's very mm-hmm. similar to the NFL in America in the fact that okay. it's basically Australia only, but they've kind of capped their market. They can't really grow unless they reach yeah. into other countries or other regions. So this could be an alternate revenue stream for them. So recapping really what I'm talking about is is they've got some problems to solve. Some have an aging audience. Some have live attendance issues. Some would like alternate streams of revenue. Um, yeah. and, some would, and some would like... Digital marketing and digital sales. Let's say you're the UFC. UFC has zero problems selling out any arena they've ever gone to. They yeah. sold out in Australia. They sell at Madison Square Garden. So that's fine. They get ten million dollars at the gate, which is a cap. You know, you can't possibly expect to yeah. charge everybody eight thousand dollars a ticket mm-hmm. to increase that. So that means what's scalable for them as a company? Pay per view buys. So how can they make more pay per view mm-hmm. buys? to say a gaming audience who is used to watching things at home, consuming things online, and consuming to purchasing things online. So hey, maybe activating on the gaming audience can help them out a little bit with that too. And maybe get some of the gaming audience away from streaming it illegally. So there's <laughs> there's a few problems to solve. And and for us it's not thinking about esports. It's not thinking about how they can buy an esports team, how they can start an esports league, yeah. and how they can divert from their main goal, which is to promote golf, cricket, whatever, UFC. But how can this be an add-on and a marketing add-on to what they do? If you can spend money on Facebook ads and you can spend money on Instagram ads and you can get Robert De Niro to come to the USC, why can't you pay Jake Paul to make stories about it? Why can't you pay yeah. Ninja to make stories about it? Exactly the same way that the NFL, ESPN, yeah. NFL got Ninja on to do their panel for a while. Exactly the same thing. It's not the, it's not the NFL going, hey, we're going to get away from our core. And we're going no. to run esports in stadium. We're going to do esports co-streams with our sports yeah. streams, that kind of stuff, which diverts from, from their main goal. We're just going to have an add-on into what we're currently doing. So that's a lot of what we're talking about, whether mm. it's um, live activations, whether it's bringing influencers to the event, whether it's just basic promotion, whether it's some sort of integration where the sports mm-hmm. stars play with influencers and such. You know, the thinking for me really around that is that, so many people are already doing esports stuff with these sports, and a lot of these sports are saying, "Look, we don't want to get away from our core business, which is our sport yep. itself." So me kind of saying, "Look, this is a marketing ploy. This is an add-on. This is something else cool that you can do."
0: Okay, yeah, and it's it's you know it's reaching audiences like you say they wouldn't reach otherwise. Yeah, because they're not interested it's quite in. Quite NFL, but,
2: Like because yeah. um, uh, a company I know that I worked with in the past. <laughs> They brought because you're saying about the live audiences, you know. For example, the golf, the ages go up, and then you know, there's that sort of line where it sort of ends. Um, mm. But a company I know actually created BR experience for the cricket, so they do all the they do all the videoing of uh, what's it called? What's the cricket like uh, tournament called? You know the what
0: ashes.
2: it is. The Ashes, yeah, and all that. <laughs> they do all the recording for that, but they created a virtual reality experience. So they sort of brought gaming and this whole industry into it. And these people could go in and they could go in with their friends and then all put on a VR headset and essentially be playing cricket in a virtual experience, which is really cool. And that's sort of, Mm. I think from what I gather from them, that did increase the numbers because there were a lot of people coming almost Mm. just to see that, some of them, just to see, oh, how does this work? You know, I'm sat at home with my VR headset Mm. on, interacting with other people, doing a bit, but well, I can go over here and be with everyone else, but still be in VR playing this game and then go and, you know, watch the cricket afterwards. It's mm. quite an interesting thing. So it's quite interesting yeah. to see how these companies are trying to evolve the live industry as well as. Yeah. Them.
0: And it's nice to see them not trying to compete with esports because it's not, Yeah. I don't think that's a viable option for them to even try and compete with it. Yeah. They um, don't need to. They don't need to. Like you said, they can, they can stay with what they want to be doing. Yeah. And just kind of take a bit of esports if they want to. Mm,
1: think about it like the Australian Open. You know, that's that's mm. known as as one of the best. And, yeah. and, um, one of the best run sports events in the world, you know, I was talking to one of my friends the other day who goes to the U S open quite a lot. And he said, the Australian yeah. open just absolutely craps all over it. It's, and it's, it's known in Australia as the most innovative and most advanced and they have a massive right. village, uh, outside, which is like an activation zone, which is like a festival. Yeah, it's right. like a music festival, but for sports, there's music, there's sponsor activations, there's food trucks, there's so much going on. So why is there not a gaming activation section on that? Yeah. You know, how many people want to play, you know, the, the games that might be at a fair today, you know, the clown stuff, the throwing, the target shooting, the throwing pins at, mm. the, at, at the balloons, et cetera. Why not have a gaming experience as part of this? Well, give the kids what they want. And primarily it's, it's yeah. once again, it's not diverting from your main thing, which is the tennis, but it's giving the kids a great experience and a good feeling while they're there. So instead yeah. of begrudgingly being dragged along to the golf <laughs> by the mum and the dad, they get to go play Fortnite for 30 minutes and they go, well, actually, I'm going to stick around. Maybe this golf thing's kind of cool. And yeah. next time they want to be dragged to the golf, they're going to go because they might get to do something yeah. cool and exciting that's actually relevant to them. And then that could foster into an interest into, into golf for them. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, really good point. yeah and it's the, building that relationship with the, with the sport.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's trying to get the younger people. on. like you say, a lot of the younger people are more interested in sitting at home, playing their games, watching the people on Twitch and all that mm. E-sports. The only event that they might attend is an esports event, um, you know, or go to these like uh, big esports events that you've got going on um, and not actually attend the live ones necessarily. Like, for example, Wimbledon, even. But imagine mm. if you go to Wimbledon, take your kids and they're like, oh, you know, I don't really want to go. But then again, there's like a gaming experience or even again, a VR experience, you know, they've got the mm. handsome, you know, they're against their, their brother or their sister, you know having a bit of a bash like we tennis but yeah. way high level <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's you know it's, it's a very common misconception that gamers don't want to leave their bedrooms and mm. the answer to that that i always say is they do but it has to be money can buy experience it has to be something worth them going to so yeah. there's no point you know people don't want to just go hang out at the skate park anymore necessarily because they've got uber eats at home they've got air conditioning they're comfortable and they can still yeah. talk to their friends through Discord, through Snapchat, through TikTok, through whatever platform they want, or hang out together in Fortnite or Dota 2, like yeah. myself and my mates do. You know, we we even the ones we live in the same state with, we probably catch up once every three months in person because we only hang out in Discord and Dota 2 together. Yeah. You know, talk a bit of shit and have a bit of fun. So, you know, if you're thinking about that, if you're running a live event, what's your actual draw card for these people? Is it tier three live music? from the local person on an acoustic guitar there that they're not really interested in. Is it sub par quality fish and chips (laughs) that you can buy? Um, (laughs) You know, is it the expensive cost of entry that they would rather be spending on alcohol or consumer goods or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. So just think about that when you're planning an event about why people would like to attend. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's some of the problems that we're trying to help these people to solve. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, as with anything in esports, and this is why we work so much in influencers, um, working in esports is rolling a boulder up a hill. <laughs> a lot of the time, trying to convince these people because people yeah. are stuck in their ways a lot. They're already making a lot of money. Let's say, um, you know, so trying to convince them to invest in something new can be very hard. Especially when there's a lot of the time, and I've spoken about this many times in my content before, about how people are trying to make a sale just to, because they need to make a sale and stay alive. Yeah. So that means that often there's bad sales that are being made. Um, So trying to get around, you know, that kind of stuff as well, actually selling a good project can be hard because some people can be cautious, but rightfully so. Um, But, you know, as a business, that's why we do so much work in influencers because what we found in esports is there's so much supply. There are, you could, you could probably say there's, there's uh, there's probably tens of thousands of esports organizations that exist in the world. I'd say as a guess, right?
0: I think I'd I'd say there's probably at least eight to
1: 10,000 of scale of where they have at least 50 Twitter followers, right? So, they're all looking for sponsors. However, how many sponsors are looking to, to sponsor things? Um, 800? 1,000 and a half? But I've never said these yeah. before. I'm probably just guessing. No. So, you yeah. can say that there's a lot of supply. But there's barely any demand there. So, you're trying to mm. push the boulder uphill to explain to, um, you know, X company... That um, you know you should invest in esports for the first time. This is a great thing for you to do, and that's a six to twelve month sales process. That's a six yeah. to twelve months for them to say no. So yes. thinking about your runway as a company, and that's not saying they always say no, but you know, let's say they say no. That's There's going to be your runway as a company. No. You're yeah. paying for wages. You're paying for facility. That's a lot of time that you could be dedicating. That you could be growing your social media presence. That you could be growing your Twitch, yeah. your YouTube, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, over that period of time. Whereas with influencers. There's so much supply and so much demand. There's thousands of influencers out there, literally thousands of gaming influencers with a million plus subscribers. Thousands. So they've got a lot of supply, they've got a lot of hungry audience, but there's also a lot of demand. There's so many companies that are looking to pay these people to advertise, there's apps. There's consumer goods, there's e-commerce, um, there's, you know, digital only products, there's new video games, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so much in there too. So for us, you know, we looked at our revenues and we said without even trying, sixty percent plus of our revenue is coming from influencer work. So it'd be ridiculous not to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And obviously we still work in esports and we are called big esports, but the same thing is when I talked to Kairos esports, the guys that got KFC into gaming, they've considered changing their names, Kairos Gaming. To get away from just that pure esports. Because for me, being frank, focusing on esports as a whole is just, I don't see that as a viable product. And not for us Mm. anyway. Not unless you're sitting in some specific niche um, where you can afford to do so. But for us, it's it's not a viable product. So it makes much more sense for us to work with influencers. Go where the money is. And yes, we're still going to have one foot in esports all the time. And yes, we're still called Big Esports, the Big Esports podcast, yeah. and that's my history. And I will take any projects in that whenever I can, but I'm nowhere near as active as searching for them as I used to be, because all the time okay. is trying to convince people who don't want your product. Mm. And that's, that's not a way to run a business, and it's not on us to grow the industry ourselves. And that's where it fell down to a lot of the time, is that we mm. needed to make the industry and then capture the market share, rather yeah. than... Coming into a market, which you can capture, capture some share, and then help to grow it. It's on us yeah. to grow it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's not a that's not a place that you know we want to sit in. And commercially, no, it's just not, yeah, it's not, it's, just, yeah,
0: it's, not uh, it's not sustainable as a business. Mm. How do you th- do you think that uh, kind of perception of esports is going to change in the near future, or is it kind of a long way off before companies start to take notice?
1: It's already changing. It's hard because I find there's a lack of case studies, successful case studies mm-hmm. in the industry and public successful case studies in the industry. That's why I've always tried to share them as much as I can. And I've, I've put this call out so many times that I have so many successful case studies or influences yeah. that are very cut and dry, that are very straightforward, that I don't have for esports right now. And talking to Faze's chief revenue officer, Jeff Pabbs, on my podcast as well, said the same thing. And if Faze is having trouble, with this section i think everybody whether they admit it or not is having some trouble with this yes you know he said that if you are toyota um, and you're being pitched to sponsor an nfl team the nfl team can say yes toyota we can see by our numbers that you receive an eight percent uplift in sales across north america if you sponsor our team in esports i've seen a lot of tier one decks that basically say here's how much money we've won um here's how many twitter followers we have here's how much reach we get um we're in the Dota 2 International, here's how many viewers that got, yeah. League of Legends, Worlds, et cetera. And we're going to do X amount of pieces of content for you. And that's about it. And that's half yeah. of the story, really.
0: You're not saying... Um, it's not saying what they're going to actually get out of
1: it. Yeah. So, you know, even FaZe told us a case study. They sold 500K with the champion hoodies in the first five minutes of mm. their campaign. You know, they've done successful meetups where they've got, um, what was it like 15 city blocks in New York City or something ridiculous Ooh. like that lining up oh. for, their, for their live launch. They've, you know, did the Ewok meetup. They did an offset meetup. They did a TCL 50 K campaign, you know, so these guys have a lot of case studies, but even they're not confident and they're not dumb. So I think that I think that they're probably onto something here that there needs to be more proof in the pudding Mm. and less hype and less people thinking about brands as investors. And this happened on my side a lot, even as a sponsor where a team would come to me and say, you know, Hey, we really want to be sponsored by you. And I'd say, cool. We already sponsor Mm -hmm. a team. What do you offer more than them? And I say, well, if you sponsor us, we'll be bigger than them in 12 months. I say, well, (laughs) I'm a sponsor, not an investor. So what if I sponsor you, you grow and then you go to someone else? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why don't I leave the team? Yeah. yeah, Why would I leave the team I'm currently working with? To go to you, who's going to provide me with 30 Twitter followers, and then in a year, you're going to have 20,000. Like, yes, that's possible, but it doesn't make any sense to me to leave what I'm currently doing. So I think less... You know, less about that and, and more, you know, so much that we talked about, say, my founder's pitch that I, that I've been doing, you know, with startups mm. and bringing Taylor on as one of the investors who's actively investing in the space and someone who's a, you know, a good panelist and an analyst of the industry. Yeah. You know, he's investing purely into better ways to monetize the market because it's become okay. quite obvious that esports fans aren't being monetized properly with their average mm. spend per user being so low compared to every other sport in existence. Yeah. And, you know, I had this discussion with some people the other day and went on a bit of a rant saying, if influencers and esports, the lines are so blurred and influencers are making so much money, they're selling so much merchandise, they're all driving around Ferraris with big houses. Like as long as you've got 2 million subscribers, you're basically set, right? With a good audience. Of course, there's good audience and good viewership, you know, blah, 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 etc. Right. But let's just use that as a metric to go off. Why can't esports do the same? And why is esports yeah. not doing the same? If if I've got a case study here of an influencer I know with a seven-figure business that sells limited edition hoodies through an Instagram mm-hmm. of 170 to 200,000 followers, why can an, an esports team not do the same thing? Why are yeah. they not selling a million bucks worth of merch a year off limited edition stuff off a off a platform that's not even that big, off yeah. one person doing it? And other thought doing as well else?
0: that uh, esports. Oh, well, I guess gamers or streamers or esports teams would have a more engaged audience than your kind of classic influencer as well. So if anything, their numbers mm. should be higher.
1: It's hard to say, right? Because mm. like when, when I, I did a bit of a content series about um, Instagram followers versus engagement in esports teams, yeah. and you'll find that the single organization teams will have much higher engagement. And part of that okay. is because imagine if you followed phase for call of duty black ops 2 like seven years ago i don't play that anymore so you're probably not active on there and you're probably not following them for much what if you followed um team liquid because of their old dota 2 team who are now gone you might still be liking their pages but you're not activating on them whatsoever yeah what if you like an organization for a game they're in like or paladins that they don't have anymore or heroes of the storm which doesn't exist anymore yeah So that's that's where it becomes hard as well. So you obviously have a targeted audience because you have a general esports typecast, but in the same way you don't because it's kind of like having a Twitter for tennis and soccer. You know, two very different (laughs) sports. One's team, one's usually personal, one v one. You know, they're played on different services with different types of equipment with completely different brands and sponsors involved in them, except probably Nike and Adidas is everything. So (laughs) thinking about that, you know, that's that's where it becomes you know advantageous for a team because you've got bigger numbers but you know um it also can maybe cause some problems who knows
0: yeah yeah like, like you're saying it's i guess and then it's down to the teams to kind of refine their content so that the people who have engaged with them for a particular team or game or whatever are then still continuing to be engaged even if it's not originally what they followed them for
1: Yeah, I I don't have the answer. I mean, people talk about this with um like ESPN all the time. If ESPN puts on esports or Fox puts on esports, you know, people want to watch it. If the like it happened here in Australia, an AFL team bought an esports team. The Essendon Bombers bought a team. They renamed it to Bombers. They started posting about on their Twitter, and everyone's like, "What the hell is this?" Like, I follow you guys (laughs) for AFL. I do not even care about League of Legends. Like I would, I actively don't want to see this on my feet and I can't blame them. You know, if you follow an F1 driver, do you want him to be posting about tennis all the time? You know, yeah. probably not. You're probably following him for his F1 content. You know, if you're following a sports team. So I don't, I don't have the right answer for that, but I think the answer as a whole for esports people, for me, from my research seems to be content as a whole. Like you were saying, you know, you're looking at people who create fantastic content, like uh hundred thieves, like FaZe, you know, two yeah. names that get thrown around all the time because that's what they seem to be doing so well. And and that's why they're attracting these investments. They're attracting these sponsors and they seem to be growing, um, you know, at a very Mm. rapid rate compared to others that are focused on being more like a traditional sports team say yeah. a cloud nine, which is more about winning, you know, that's their identity, but how does that perform? But there's only so many people that can have that identity too, within the market. There's so much more scope, I think for, you know, for every 20 organizations that are about content, you can probably have one that's all about winning. So if I was yeah. to put people in categories, you'd think team liquid, cloud nine, fanatic winning traditional sports team, esports, you know, yeah. stoic been mm-hmm. around for a long time, won a lot of tournaments anything about content you've got people like 100 Thieves and phase and then you know like a hundred of these Fortnite organizations that exist now like team Kungana, like raised by kings you know etc cetera, etc cetera. there's yeah. all these that most people have never heard of in the traditional industry but they've all got a hundred thousand plus twitter followers which is more than a lot of the tier two teams places, yeah. so so you know there's only so many kind of there can only be so many winners, right? You can only have so many people that are within that high class. But I think there's been mm-hmm. shown there's such an appetite for content that so many more can be based on that on that content side of things. Yeah, and absolutely. in the past, a lot of people have just been throwing money against the wall mm-hmm. to try to have the best um, esports team, paying more salaries, mm-hmm. paying big buyouts for what to win a tournament that doesn't really gain you any more followers than some good no. content does that doesn't get you much prize pool because you only retain zero to 15% of the organization. A lot of the time, obviously there's, yeah. there's alternatives sometimes, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Right. So what do you, what are you spending your, your money on and, and how is that benefiting you as a business and what's your profit loss per game title and such? You know, I think cloud nine came out, what was it yesterday, two days ago, they said they lose between one to 2 million a year on their CS:GO team. Did they? My God, yeah, that's so insane. people are claiming part of it is because they have a coach, an assistant coach, a, a mentor. I don't know. They're saying they have okay. too many staff. But still, right. even if keeping that into account, there's still a lot of money to lose for a business yeah. of any size per year on one single asset. You know, if your if you're restaurant chain, if you're McDonald's and one of your store loses one to two million a year and the others don't, well, goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's closing know, down, that's like. it
0: yeah it's weird
2: yeah. i've seen a lot of stats and financials within esports and um there's there's not a lot that i've seen with actually making a profit not in terms of the esports teams or mm. uh, platforms as well to be honest There uh, there's one platform i think it's um oh, i can't remember the name but there's one platform that's losing millions as well um mm.
1: yeah mm. like esports mobile they're spending a lot of money yeah
0: but, um yeah. yeah i mean Look, apparently I think... amazon loses money so maybe twitch <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's always, look, there's always a few sides to that, right? Yeah. It's, it's okay, they're relatively early stage in the grand scheme of business existence in the world. They've got time to scale, they are scaling, they're spending that money on growth. Um, but for me, I guess a lot of my lens comes from being more risk adverse, it comes from being, you know, a, a company that hasn't really attracted funding, like I say investors, but it was more of an internal funding for us. And it was mm-hmm. not a significant amount whatsoever. And we are cash flow positive, partly because we've got a very low burn. It, yeah, I pay myself yeah. minimum wage. For me, it's about the equity. It's about the growth yeah. in the company. It's about the opportunity. And, it's, and it's, that's why I come from that lens of, like I stated before, of not trying to make a sale just to make a sale. Being yeah. like, is this the yeah. right thing to do? Because I'm set up in that position where I don't have that pressure to have to do that. I don't have to make the sale to keep the lights on. I've got emergency savings, I've got a company, and we know that in our pipeline, we've got a lot of massive projects that are starting, that are going to start being announced in the next few weeks. But you could say, from the outset, it's like, wait, Big's been around for a year and a half. What big announcements have you guys made? You haven't done a whole lot of stuff. And that's because we haven't needed to. I haven't needed to make that quick buck. Haven't needed to make that quick sale because we've been working on the proper campaigns that we would like to work on. So say, for example, with one of our clients now, we're being paid to do a scoping work for them to run their whole global influencer strategy almost as like an outsourced employee because they said oh, to sure. us, look, we because of our relationship with you guys, we trust you so much that it's not going to be a, hey, Chris, here's 25 grand. I need a million views. Go and make it happen. Yeah. Like we do do for some brands like NVIDIA in Australia. It's more so, Chris, here is our CPA, cost per acquisition. Uh, here's your budget. Go nuts. Go Just yeah. tell us. We need to justify to us what you're going to do. And when we say yes, you do everything. You're responsible for everything. You're responsible for paying for the influences. You're responsible for the delivery on time. You're responsible for making sure it happens that, you know, all of the beats happen. You're responsible for justifying mm-hmm. why it does work, why it doesn't. And if it doesn't provide us with a report, just like an employee would. So for us, yeah. that's, that's what I've been working towards. And and that's where I see a lot of us providing value. And that's why I, I said at the start around our justification as a business is not yeah. as these quick cash, massive projects with 100 influencers there's plenty of platforms for that Mm. and that's why people are developing those platforms for me it's when things are really hard to do it's when you need someone to get hands on it's when you need that relationship and you need to be able to talk things through with people that's where we have an advantage but hey that's that's why we're working a lot with kieran who i've done a bunch of content with you know he he's likely to be working much more closely with us this year and that's what he is really good at kid made 300 grand in a single month at 17 of signing influencer stuff which is great so this is why you need to you need to work with these people in business that can do Mm. both sides you know for me that's that's not where my passion is and that's not where my experience is but for him that is but the same it's the opposite you know the same the opposite side of the coin for him you know he wants some help with um some mentoring and scaling and how do you hire staff properly and you know how do you attract investment and pitch people better and that kind of stuff How do you install processes you know these are the things that we're good at so that's why you know, that's when a good business partnership comes together. You find what you're good at, what you're not good at, and then you find yeah. someone. to You find the people who that. can, yeah, fill in
2: the gaps. Exactly. Yeah,
1: definitely. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That and that's, yeah. you know, that's why Google buys people yeah. all the time, right? Google's like, oh shit, we can't, we can't make a video platform to save our life. Video.google.com <laughs> was a piece of trash. They're like, yeah. well, why don't we just buy the best one? Let's just buy YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and they did, yeah. and now it's now it's fantastic. It's awesome, and it's sorted out. Yeah. Um,
0: that's mm. yeah, that's really interesting and. Um, so kind of, because influ- like influencer marketing and the kind of influencer space, although it's been around for a while, I still think it's kind of like a Wild West situation. Yeah. Like no one really knows th- these influencers. Like you say, some of them can become influencers overnight and they're not really yeah. sure how things should be run. And I think that's where companies like you really come into play because you're helping manage it without just being like give us this much a month and like you said we'll get you a million views and that'll be
1: yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of crap managers out there i can say that very um confidently now after working after Mm -hmm. or trying to work with a lot of people over the past year or two um to do client campaigns you know There's a lot of inexperienced managers and a lot of the time, not the fault of their own. They're just mates with someone who's blown up and they're managing them or they're disingenuous think They can rip off people and just take 15, 25% cut just for being Mm -hmm. an email filter when emails come in and then they do a poor job of that. Um, And, you know, it's the same as it's the same as I remember listening to a podcast many moons ago about um, what happens when your kid's band starts to get bigger And often they're managed by the parent and they've got goodwill, but they don't know what they're doing because they've never done a tour before. They've never booked a venue before. They've never worked with promoters before. They don't know any of that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. yes, they have goodwill in mind because it's their son or their daughter and they want to see them succeed, but they also need to have the humbleness to go, well, maybe I need a bit of help. Maybe we need to work with some other people to help us out there. And that's, that's, you know, what happens a lot of the time too, where, yeah, you just get managers that, you know, I'm, I'm hyper aware all the time of not being another shit agency that puts ourselves in the middle just to take 10, 15% because we exist. I'm always trying to say what kind of value do we add and why we're here, yeah. which is once again why you know, I was talking about before that this is where we fit when the problem is hard to solve or it's very specific when you need to reach out to people and you need a relationship to build a campaign that lasts over several months with someone, it can't just be standoffish. It can't just be, you want me to tweet once more, that's an extra thousand bucks. You know, you want me to do this, it's extra money. You want me to come to a meeting? That's two hundred dollars. You want like, you know, it's transactional based. It needs to be that friendship based where Mm -hmm. we've you know, we start off relationship like that with an influencer. And at the end they did three pre-rolls for us for free because we're able to explain to them the meaning behind the whole project, the viability of working together in the future after this and the massive commission that you could earn with proven results in the past for other people as well. And saying in the end to this person, look, I don't, I don't want to argue about the bullshit anymore of a thousand dollars for this tweet, $500 for this pre-roll. I want to work with you to make $50,000 in commission. So can we stop talking about that kind of thing thing, and how you're um, worried about you might have to tweet two more times and let's just focus together on building something in, in business together and building something awesome and gets through to some people, doesn't to others, but yeah, yeah. that's, it's kind of the way that we do a lot of stuff. But like you were saying, yeah, definitely the wild west because mm. you know, some kids on TikTok are getting 200,000 followers overnight and then where the hell do they go to? They don't know where to go to. And yeah. rightfully so. They're not told yeah. how to manage things. You don't learn that stuff in school. Um, you know, yeah. and there's uh, unlimited and there's 60, managers out
0: 15, there, 16 years old, mm.
1: And there's unlimited agents out there that are Pokemon collecting right now yes. that are just trying to get as many talent as they can. Got to the try Pokemon. to just, yeah. And it's, and it's, once again, it's the PR model that's failing. Mm. Where if you look at a lot of the large PR agencies globally, this is happening, especially in Australia, they're losing clients. They're churning senior okay. executives. Because a lot of PR agencies are being caught out in the fact that they're they're in the business of signing as many retainers as possible and then hiring as least amount of staff possible to Mm. look after those retainers and then spending the minimum amount of money on those staff as possible to look after those retainers. So it's a numbers game. Let's say you sign a retainer for $200,000 for the year. Well, then what you're going to want to do is hire someone $50,000 and make it 50% of their job. So $25,000 plus tax, whatever, travel to look after that. So then Lo and behold, you've got 175 coming to you. You've got 25 coming to this person. It's kind of like you're subcontracting and then off you go. Try to sign 30 of those clients, 30 times 175K. Fantastic. And then you've got 15 staff to go with that. Fantastic. My company's worth a lot of money. But the client is like, the hell are you actually doing for me? (laughs) Paying you 200 grand a year, that could pay for two senior staff members to work for me with travel and some money left over and some extra marketing budget. You know, what's, what's going on here? And that's after talking to some people who work in some of these agencies, the same thing, you know, what I'm seeing from the outside, they saw from the inside, they saw, um, they saw clients that were being, that were paying a retainer to have a full-time staff member where that staff member did not exist.
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's, yeah, yeah.
1: It's just something that, just something that seems to happen. And, you know, that's, that's what happens with some of these agencies when they're just trying to sign like 30, 40 creators. And I've talked to a few like that who are saying, you know, I don't get anything from these people. I don't know why I'm giving them 15% of my email inbounds because I should be doing it myself. And I respect, you know, one of my friends who's got 700,000 YouTube subscribers, I respect him in saying that he doesn't want a manager unless that managers full-time job is him and only him.
0: It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. It's not, it's not
1: as scalable for a business. Sure. But, It's about finding that balance, you know, if you're going to sign 10, 20. And I think that's why people like the Misfits have done very well in Australia and Mm -hmm. Click Crew because Click started Mm -hmm. with like six and they knew that they could manage those six very well. They knew that they could pay enough attention to them to provide them significant growth and and build a good company. But then they can start to slowly scale after that. Same way that a lot of successful esports teams I like have started with one team and then they've expanded from there. Mm -hmm. You know, God sent who did a podcast with, same thing, started with one team expanding from their chiefs in australia league of legends um you know phase call of duty you know they start with one thing they do it well they go to the next and you know yeah. there's a risk sometimes of scaling too fast in business and raising too much money and all that kind of jazz um and i think it's we're seeing some of this across into the influencer market as well
0: yeah. i think it's a yeah, sometimes it's you get
2: startups so they just expand so big that they can't actually um they can't uh grow that fast and that's what mm. kills quite a lot of these startups off as well that I've realised.
0: And I think a lot of startups mm. don't understand the point of their existence. They they come up with an idea that's fairly vague and then manage to like get a load of people and a load of money around it but then they don't really know what they're doing or why they're doing it. Which yeah, is that's easy to get stuck yeah,
1: it's really easy to get stuck into, right? I'm doing too many things. I talked about this on yeah. my founders, founders pitch stream number two, saying I've You know, I've had that issue many times myself Mm. where I've just tried to chase the money and a new project comes up. That looks exciting. Let's just go for it without being like, does this actually add value to the business? Does this add anything? Are we even making money off this? But sometimes no, sometimes you have to do so much more work. You know, there was a great learning from a mentor of mine the other day that was talking about this. They were being paid to do, I think it was 80 hours work a month for a client, but the PR the, but the agency that was doing it their staff were doing more like combined 80 hours a week work for them because that was no fault of their own they're just replying to messages when they get sent through yeah. and doing things immediately but then you go back and you think about it and you go i'm actually losing money from this client this client is making yeah. me actively lose money because i can't pursue other ones because i'm too busy, too busy doing, doing yeah. four times the amount of work that they're actually paying for and that's you know that's just part of Part of business. And that's something why we're in partnership with PlaySize Studios here, because they've got experience in that. They've got experience in making AAA mobile titles for people like jumanji jumanji just came out, they just did a game for Jumanji that was licensed by the by the creators. And they have that experience to say, okay, we're gonna make jumanji Here's how much we need to charge, because here's how much it's gonna cost us. It's gonna cost us this many man hours. Over this amount of time, we're going to need this many staff dedicated to it. It means we can't pursue these other projects, you know, this kind of stuff. And it always sounds so simple. Like when you're making an esports startup, you think, nah, I'm not going to have any of these problems any of these other guys have. (laughs) They're all stupid. They're all idiots. No, you have all of those problems. I've had all of those problems. Yeah. Everyone's had those problems. You almost, we well, almost run out of money and then Hail Mary comes in, you sign some clients where you're stressed about a board meeting because you haven't had much movement. And then two hours before the board meeting, someone comes back with some awesome news for you. Like I've had all of these things. It's, it's like, it's almost like it's a, it's almost like it's, it's universe playing a crazy trick that yeah. has to happen that all of these It's problems, almost a, a rite of yeah, passage,
0: <laughs> isn't it? You, these things always come up and it's like, you have to go yeah. through these to really understand that these things do happen. Um, yeah
1: think about like and it's humbling right think about like jujitsu that i do when you start as a white belt which i am at the moment you just get choked out by everyone all the time it's so humbling (laughs) but you have to you have to go through that you have to be the person who gets submitted 20 times in five minutes (laughs) to then be the person who can actually teach that onto other people like that's all part of the passage you don't become a black belt without being a white belt first and then 10 plus years of training a lot of the time so you know that it's it's that physicality. It's why you start sparring from day one in jujitsu. It's it's why you know you do a lot of the training and you and usually you turn up one to three times a week to get better. And it's why it becomes so addictive because there's so much to okay. learn. It's yeah. so exciting, but there's so much payoff. You know, if you run a startup successfully, the payoff is five million bucks in your pocket. I think that's pretty good payoff. Yeah. Do jujitsu nice. successfully, you can feel you can feel that advantage coming on because even for me as a white belt, mm. when I first started, you know, getting smashed all the time by everyone. <laughs> you sometimes think I'm not getting any better. This is ridiculous. No. Everyone's still beating me until a new person comes and then you roll against them and you go, Holy crap. I just yep. submitted him five times in, in, yeah,
0: you know, in five minutes. So,
1: yeah. You're like, okay, so now it's starting to make sense. And you do similar startups. Often I mm-hmm. will think, man, I'm so useless. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't have any skills or experience until someone comes to me with a problem. And then sometimes I catch myself halfway through the explanation of how to fix it and go, shit, I actually do know something. <laughs> this is, like I actually do know something. I do have some value. Yeah. Um, I do know what I'm
0: talking yeah. about. This is crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember I was quoting like I was quoting some study with like six numbers and halfway through I went, Shit, I'm a nerd, but <laughs> like, you know, it's I seemed to at least I've convinced myself I know what I'm talking about yeah. right now. But yeah you know, for me, like on the tangent, it's it's just about being open and honest. And it's about saying, look, here's what I think. It's about saying, I don't have a fully formed opinion on this. This is what I've seen. Mm. Or it's about justifying, this is why I have this info. Like the PR agencies. You know, I might caught some shit for saying that, but it's part of saying, look, I've identified this from the outside. As a brand, yeah. I felt this. And I've talked to some people who've worked in top ones and they've also confirmed this. So this yeah. is why I have this opinion. It's not just the fact of, you know, the earth's flat because I think so. Um, Counter-Strike yeah. is a dumb game because I said so. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, and they're obviously very, basic stupid examples but you know that's saying like i always try to walk through that that thinking or if it's an opinion state so
0: yeah yeah exactly it makes a lot of sense um that's awesome i do i want to roll roll back quickly to kind of working more with influencers um and how Mm. that works and you mentioned earlier about some influencers and some you're working with at the moment kind of uh, are accepting of like equity as well. How, how does that kind of conversation start?
1: So like most influencers are doing pay for play, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're, it's, it's, it's almost like they're, it's almost like they're trading time for money. You know, there's the old thing yeah. that every clickbait entrepreneur says is you don't trade time for money. You know You want to make money while you sleep. Even if okay. you get paid $10 an hour, if you get paid a thousand, you still have to turn up to work and get paid. You yeah. don't get paid while you're sleeping and making e-commerce sales, yada, yada, a yacht. But if <laughs> you think about it from the influencer side of things, a lot of the time they're only making money when they're live streaming yeah. because they're actively losing subscribers if they're not streaming and if they're not gaining ad revenue, they could be gaining. And they're not getting extra views and growth that they could be gaining. Or if they're making videos, if they're not making a video with a sponsored advert in it, they're not getting paid for that sponsor advert. So they have to do that 30, 45, 60 second pre-roll, post-roll, mid-roll, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all, so it's pay for play. They're getting paid to go to events. A lot of them are making what they deem as good money. What most people deem as good money right Mm -hmm. now. However, there's a lifestyle that comes with that a lot of the time too. Yeah. So if you're making 300 grand a year at the moment, like some of my friends are fantastic, what awesome. happens if you have scandal, people don't watch you anymore. If you don't feel like creating content anymore and it dries up. So I have an example of a guy I know fairly well, 300,000 subscribers, made a made considerable amount of money during the CSGO skin gambling, skin betting era, but just mm. fell out of love with making videos. He didn't want to anymore. He didn't have any right. passion for the game. Didn't have any passion for making videos. Right. What does he do? Never had yeah. a normal job. Never ran his own sponsorships because he had a manager. Yeah. What does he do? So, thankfully, he was lucky enough to be able to then edit videos for other YouTubers and become part of that industry, okay. right? right?
0: But right, if yeah. you don't have
1: that, what, what do you have? Say you don't edit your own videos. A lot don't. Makes sense because it's, it takes a lot of time. They pay someone 50, 100, 150 um, bucks to go skill. do it for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, what happens in life after content creation? The same thing as what happens in life after sport, after esports, whatever. Um, so, the answer to part of that is okay, do you own part of a company? Um, if you're a massive influencer and you can enact change instead of being paid $50,000 to promote a seed stage startup, can you be paid $10,000 and 40 grand with the equity? Can you then be really bought into that company to help it to grow with your audience? And then you can reap dividends over that longer period of time. If they attract investment, go public or sell, can you then own that portion that gets paid off to you? You know, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's something you have ownership in. And what I see a lot of the time is a lot of influencers. They'll start to create their own business when the channel is already on the downturn. Their views are going yeah. down. Their sponsorship deals are going down. Their public favor is going down and they go, well now's the time to make a business. Yeah, no, you look at something now is, yeah. yeah, Now is not the right time to make a business because I understand that it's very exciting when a lot of brand deals are coming in and you're exploding and you just hit a million subscribers, everything's so busy. You got to make, I got to make more content. I got to stream more. I got to do more meetups. I got to do more sponsored things. You know, I got to keep growing, but also I got to collab with Ninja and I want to (laughs) grow, like, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's like, that's probably the right time to to take a bit of time to relax and say, okay, I'm going to forego $50,000 worth of deals this year to put that time into myself to create a business or to promote someone else's business. Mm. Because in the long term, that $50,000, can expand much larger into $5 million if the company yeah. sells or something like that. Right. Yeah. Or a long or period of time, $5 million worth of dividends.
0: Yeah. Or a consistent, if you're building a business yourself, like a consistent income that's going to continue on from for years, years and years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I yeah. mean, love him or hate him. Even Jake Paul talked about this. He's mm-hmm. like, should you be promoting someone else's company all the time? Or should you be promoting your own company? Exactly. You know, should you be promoting, should you be promoting Adidas merchandise and main gear merchandise and et cetera, et cetera, or should you make your own merch company? And that's yeah. a question for the influencer to ask themselves and to answer. Yeah. But for some people, it makes sense to do your own stuff. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense to partner with companies and, and to push specific products. Sometimes it, sometimes it makes sense to go with a much
0: smaller company who will give you equity than a much larger one. Who yeah. Won't. yeah, exactly. Um, and I think there's, there's a thing I, I did some content recently about uh, brands working with influencers and kind of the larger brands are seem to be a lot more controlling of what the influencer can actually create and post about Mm. the brand. Whereas the smaller ones, it seems like they're just like, we want something just kind of do whatever works for you. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. You definitely get that. Sometimes there's some brands out there that are just hell to work with. (laughs) They want to approve everything. They want you to read a script. They want you to do all this kind of stuff. And in the end that works for no one. It makes um, the influence unhappy. It makes the delivery poor. It makes the viewers unhappy. But sometimes you just got to bow to the corporate machine, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And get that
0: 50 (laughs) K and get the big, get the big bucks, put your down payment (laughs) on your Lambo and off you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So what, I guess, what kind of tips would you give smaller influencers to start being able to work with
1: brands my tip or... would be to grow first and then worry about mm-hmm. the brands later i think a lot of people worry too much about the monetization too early in the aspect mm-hmm. and they forget about that that first impressions matter that the sponsors are real people yeah. that you could it's easy to get stuck in your mind when you're working for a corsair or a razor etc in a region like mm-hmm. <clears throat> like the uk southeast asia australia you're very busy. You're often doing um, like for me, when I was at at Corsair, I was doing, you know, PR, I was doing some social media, I was doing trade shows, I was helping sales with live events. I was managing the influencers, I was managing the esports sponsorship. I was managing all of the reviews that were happening, um, you know, and and other media stuff. I'm doing like seven different things at once. So Uh if someone reaches out to me way too early in the piece, sometimes I'm a human, it can get stuck in my mind. Okay. This person's just begging for product. They're small. And they don't know what they're talking about so they're not someone Mm -hmm. i'm going to spend any time on in the future because i literally don't have any time to spend on anyone and to spend on anything else so developing your skills but developing your size first is a very important thing everybody tries way too early the amount of emails that you get when you're at a company like corsair where someone says hey i'm gonna start a review youtube channel can you please send me a six hundred dollar power supply to be my first review ever
0: and oh you get angry God. when
1: you say no, and they say, "How could I ever get ahead in this cold, harsh world?" While there? <laughs> is ridiculous. And yeah. uh, to to those people, even what I say is, "Do you have a gaming PC right now?" Yes. Do you use a gaming keyboard? Yes. Review that. Do you use a gaming mouse? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Review that. Do you use a headset? Yes. Well, review that. And then <laughs> once you've got some good quality videos, then you can reach out to people, and you can ask for for products for free. And then you can provide as much value to the company as the company provides to you. You know, if I give you a Corsair mouse, I'm probably bringing more views to you than you are to the, the mouse. through yeah. Your product. Yeah. You know, unless you're of a size that's, you know, worth working with. Kind of thing.
0: What, um, what kind of general size do you, would you consider like a good threshold to start thinking about partnerships?
1: Yeah, I think about it for a while. I think let's, let's talk in concurrent viewers on Twitch. That's the number that matters to yeah. me, not followers whatsoever. Yeah. And for me, a lot of the time, let's, let's use like Australia with my Corsair hat on. If someone's, got, if someone's got between 30 to 100, they might be worth seeding a product with. If someone's got 150 plus, they're probably worth doing some sort of paid thing with. Right. If they're 300 plus, they're definitely worth considering doing a 12-month a kind of paid campaign with.
0: Yeah,
1: And then if they're a thousand plus, that's when you reach that status when, you know, there has to be some serious discussion that goes on. Yeah, so if you think about that in, in concurrent viewership, there's, there's kind of the levels to reach yeah. at. I think if you're under 30, a lot of the time, it's just hard for any brand to justify yeah. spending that time to, to provide you with something and the cost of providing you. And a lot of it's, like I said, it's the time. It's the time of getting yeah. to know the person, understanding their audience, watching their stream for a bit and then giving them product. It's like when well, you've taken four hours of my employee wage time, plus the price of the product. Like, there is more to it than just that. But yeah. if I'm thinking about the people that I signed on at Corsair to do 12-month sponsorships with, it was Oasis, 350 concurrent when I did it, Bajo, 300, 300 350 concurrent when I did it, and Pig, 800 to 1,000 concurrent when I did it. So that gives you a bit of an idea about the sizes.
0: Yeah, the size that's a, a decent size to get started with. And do you do you... What do you think of Twitch versus YouTube in terms of influencers?
1: Um, do you mean like the content wars, people being paid to do stuff or like what platform you should focus just on?
0: What platform would be best to focus on? As an influencer? Whatever's
1: best for you is the answer. Mm. Most, a lot of people try to do both and they do both very poorly. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, true. if you look at Shroud, most of his YouTube is just highlights, right? so yeah. ninja and stuff because their focus is on twitch if you look at muselk and Laserbeam, completely opposite i think yeah. muselk streamed on twitch like five times ever and yeah. now he's being paid to pay attention to youtube to stream so of course he's going to do it but um you know mainly focus on youtube so really it's just about what you know it's the same as like oh, what you were talking about before is about understanding for your business what what you're offering is and what your product is and if your product is entertaining live streams You don't need to put a lot of effort into, you know, post-production YouTube videos because it's not who you are and it's not what you're about.
0: Yeah, that's true. You kind of get some, you don't even, I, I don't think with live streams you even need to have, to start with, any particularly fancy graphics or anything going on. Just if you've got a personality and you're playing a game, then... That's, that's one of the best
1: parts of it. Yeah, you that's need, it. You need barely any setup. You need a good enough PC, you need a basic overlay, you need a Twitch account. Off you go. Yeah. Think about Tyler One. You know, he puts he puts effort, definitely puts effort into overlays and stuff. Yeah. But they're not like high produced high quality graphics. But that's part of that's on purpose because that's his brand. <laughs> Think about it's probably not even a great example. Think about a guy called um Shookon 3, who yeah. used to be a pro ish Halo player. Mm-hmm. started becoming famous because he would rap on stream and when people would write in the comment in when people would write something in the chat he would put that into his freestyle rap he was doing but now mm-hmm. for the past couple of years he's been traveling around the world primarily in Australia fishing on live stream going to Bali Thailand all that kind of stuff That's he has zero amazing. production value because it's yeah. live it's it's on his person when he's in Thailand on a scooter yeah so you can't have there's no overlays. There's nothing. So yeah. he's reading the chat, but he's very engaging. He's having a good time. So it doesn't cost yeah. much to, to set these kind of things no. up. The same way, awesome. you know, old buddy, buddy, Joe Rogan says to start a podcast. Just get a microphone and do it. That's how you start exactly. a podcast. Exactly.
0: That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing right here. <laughs> yeah. The stream
2: is going from Twitch to Mixer.
0: Twitch to
1: Mixer. Yeah, that's an interesting one, mm. right? Because you don't you don't have that baseload of audience that... Um, can replenish because no matter who you are, you've always got people leaving you, right? Like people will follow Ninja for a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, whatever. But at some period of time, most people are going to leave. So then how do you get more of that audience in? Do you have a base load you can draw from Twitch? Yes. Twitch has a base load of people who are going to Twitch going,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: okay, I just want to watch anything to do with Fortnite. And I do this sometimes with Dota 2. I go on there and go, okay, I want to watch anything with Dota 2. Click on a stream none of that one i want to watch something in english uh none of that one i don't want to watch an influencer that one yeah it's a tournament yeah. it's a tournament and it's on twitch and started to tick the box let's go if that was a mixer I would have never found it if that was on youtube or facebook streaming I would have never found it so you don't have that base load of people who are leaving and then coming and if you're good enough your base load of people leaving is going to be lower and coming is going to be higher so there's always over your lifetime of people who've discovered you for the first time and leaving you they're always going to be both going up right yeah but you want more people discovering you than they are leaving you. I can't remember who explained this to me. It was a while ago, but it made perfect sense. But if you're on Mixer, they're relying on you to bring the people across to their platform. But then do those people stay around? Do they start going yeah. on to other things on Mixer? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think um, part of it for me is what is what is what what is Mixer's, what, is, what does Mixer offer that Twitch doesn't? And at the moment, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the marking is, hey, we're Twitch, but we're not. Um, yeah whereas i mean youtube gaming seems to be kind of the same as well right so the question then is you know if you want to release a if you want to release like a tesla copy like what are you doing that tesla aren't you can't just say hi hey, i'm tesla but i'm not you can't just <laughs> say hey i'm logitech but i'm not like yeah. you need to you need to have some point of difference in what you're offering mm. you need to be like uh, you know cloud nine versus phase phase is like we're all about wearing gucci and swaggering out and playing call of duty and <laughs> Drinking bottles in the club and making awesome content. But Cloud Nine is like, we're the best. We win everything. You're like, yeah. okay, they're two teams.
0: They're different. Yeah, yeah, two teams competing in the same place, but they do they're very different things. It comes down to brand again, really. Brand marketing, yeah, all that good stuff. And I think yeah. with with um, Mixer, if you decided you wanted to use Mixer over Twitch for whatever reason it is. I think that's where other apps become particular of importance, like YouTube, like TikTok, like Instagram, to drive that traffic mm. to your stream. Yeah, and, the,
1: and people are saying the discoverability on Mixer is easier. So while there is a lower yeah. base load, if you're a smaller streamer, you're more likely to be discovered. So you're more likely to hit, <clears throat> let's say, like the possibility. What's what's like the thing they say in business? Business, it's like you know, high mm-hmm. risk, low reward. You know, medium risk, yeah. medium reward, etc. So on, um, so so on. Um, Mixer. It seems like you've got a you know a high chance of medium reward if that makes sense yeah. where on twitch you're more likely to have a low chance of massive reward but also a high chance of no reward so yeah. it just depends you know what platform you want to go on to but from, from what i've seen and you know people have educated me on this on linkedin and other platforms that if you're new like mixer is a very good alternative because it's a place where you can go to grow and it's a place where you can go to be more easily discovered than the machine of twitch where there's just thousands of streamers live at any one time yeah
0: Yeah, exactly. Do you think it's worth worthwhile kind of using these multi stream tools that you can go Twitch, YouTube, Mixer all at the same time? Yeah,
1: I thought about that before. i d I don't know I don't know the answer. I mean, we did it with our founders' pitch series to LinkedIn and to Twitch and then I thought, well crap, can we just do everything? But can you service all of those platforms at once? And are you known as being on that platform? And then if you're a Twitch partner, you can't do that anyway. You have to be exclusive to Twitch if you're a Twitch partner. That's interesting.
0: That's
1: interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't stream on Mixer. You can't stream on anything. You can upload YouTube videos, of course, yeah, and whatever else, but you, but can't, you, can't, you can't stream on any other YouTube. platform. No. No. Okay.
0: That's, no. That's Unless serious. you want
1: to get kicked back to affiliate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which I think it takes a long time to get partner. It's, it's yeah. Well, it's
1: like a specific thing, right? It's like affiliate yeah. is like three concurrent viewers and so many hours streams per month, um, yeah. Per per week in a month period. Um, so many followers, whereas partner is much more. It's something like, I think it's something like 70 concurrent viewers, which is, you know, l- like I was saying by my previous metrics, starting to be quite sizable. When yeah. you get to 70, you've got, you've got a good audience and I know a lot of people who are full time with 70, as long as I've got a very supportive really? audience, that's providing with a lot of subscriptions and donations um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, activating on sponsors and that kind of stuff too. But yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Do you think um, it's, how do you feel about kind of some influencers well a lot of a lot of people think influencers kind of sell their soul when they're partnering with brands what do you think about that do you think it's just a minority of influencers who just do any and all ads or do you think it is a bit of an issue in the industry right now um i think
1: um i think that Yes, it's always going to happen. But mm. I think that the bullshit meter is very high for esports people. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, you know, I shared some articles recently about like Raphael Nadal and how PR oh, works wow. at the Australian Open. That if you want to do a meeting, if you want to do a, a meeting or you want to do a your, your newspaper, right, and you want to meet with Nadal to talk about him being at the Australian Open, you are kindly suggested, <laughs> kindly required, that, um, you know, goes for no longer than 10, 15 minutes. Sure, that's fine. He's a busy guy. He's very famous. He's got a lot of followers. But one of your questions has to be about his sponsor. There has to be a picture of his sponsor in your article. And there has to be a picture of him with a backdrop that has a logo of his sponsor in there. And you need to ask him at the end, you know, what he thinks about X sponsor and he'll reply to you about that. So there was an example of like um, Mm -hmm. some champagne that, that a tennis guy was sponsored by. And they were like oh how do you relax and he's like well when i relax i like to relax with the best drop of you know it's so stupid and for anyone who's in the gaming audience like you're laughing about the same thing yeah people are like come on man like you know it's and and they make jokes of that in esports where influencers would go like like we used to work with a guy called bajo pants who Mm. you know we did a 12-month deal with him and PLE. And, and um, I sponsored him at Corsair when I was there too. PLE is a PC retailer and Badjo's performed yeah. exceptionally for them. But his ad is hilarious because he brings it up on stream and literally all you can see on stream is his face and everything else is logos <laughs> everywhere. And he goes, this is an advertisement. PLE is the best ever company ever. Go and buy stuff from I guess what That's it works, awesome. but it's a big joke. You know, yeah. And he did a big joke. He did a skit where he was talking to himself about Corsair, but his, his other self was calling it Corsair. <laughs> and he was like, no, course hair. They're like, yes, coarse hair. And then, like, just back and forward, like, just stupid stuff like that. And it's like, we make yeah. jokes of things like that, where people, you know, put TM in their tweet. They're like, you know, go buy G Fuel TM. It's the best ever gamer fuel TM yeah. ever, you know, trademark kind of thing. But, <laughs> so I think that, you know, the bullshit filter is quite high. And I think that a lot of the time, people who hate on influencers are similar kind of people who will hate on um, Instagram. Instagrammers that will hate on people on TikTok, that will hate on LinkedIn because yeah. they're not utilizing the platform for themselves. It's very easy. And I had this discussion the other day about some people who are complaining and said, look, if you're not adding value to it, I don't see why you think you can complain about it. If you're just sitting back and then watching and judging other people, if you're complaining about an Instagrammer who only posts pictures of their booty, but they're making $3 million a year. Like who are you to complain about that? There's an audience that wants to see that. And are all of those are all of those 5 million followers that that person has, they all idiots. Like do they not deserve to consume what they enjoy the same way that people say, Oh man, you watch people clicking on a screen. That's dumb, dumb as hell. And then we say, well, you watch people throwing a pigskin around and tackling (laughs) each other in small shorts. Like for some people that's stupid but yeah. there's a, there's an audience for everyone as long as people like it. Uh, my favorite thing is when people tell the market that the market's wrong. Yeah. Like that's, you know, they say TikTok's dumb and it's okay, <laughs> okay. But it's got billions of viewers. It's, yeah, Like if you're going to call them all stupid, that's our future. Sure. Yeah. So you raised those kids. Um, so good luck. But, yeah, yeah, Exactly.
0: What do you think? Yeah, the so there's team? always
1: there's always going to be sellouts, and there's always you know there's yeah. FTC guidelines around hashtagging ad and that kind of stuff now, yeah, and they're getting much it. more serious about that. They're getting very serious. You know, there was a court case in Australia not too long ago about some other stuff as well, than influencer and a and a, um, a cafe or a restaurant and, and stuff. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it'll. I mean, the market will figure itself out. Like that's yeah. that's always what's happened in the past, right? And mm. Jamie Skiller, who's a guy who I follow, um, gave me the um, idea to only wear black shirts um he works for esports mogul and had a couple other jobs and he posts about this a bit a bit where people say today is like the worst time ever to be alive no it's actually the best time um if you look at historical data but also like you know tiktok's ruining kids the same way that you look at articles in the past that tv was ruining kids that radio was ruining people and giving people brain cancer like you go back in the past there's always skeptics the market will the market will ultimately decide what happens in the end. And if the market right now is saying we love TikTok, well, if you're a brand, start making TikToks. Like there's nothing, there's no way as a brand you're going to have any advantageous thing. If you try to sit on your golden stool and say, no,
0: TikToks for peasants, That's not about me. That's fine. Someone uses TikToks, going to overtake you. Exactly. And the brands are still using Facebook heavily or something like that. We only do Facebook because TikTok Mm. is rubbish.
1: Um, yeah i work with a lot of people i had a i had someone once come to me and um um, they came from a tech company in taiwan and they started working mm. with them in australia and the first question for me is what tech magazines should we advertise with
0: really no way and i mean it's like Uh
1: is that an oxymoron is that the right word like tech magazine it's kind of like you know if you're if you're consuming <laughs> technology, do you want to buy a magazine? Do you want to pay 15 bucks a month for a magazine when you can do it for free on Kotaku.com yeah, <laughs> or
0: exactly. like Dot .esports or, or
1: anything like that? TechCrunch or something. Yeah. It's, mm. Or you can even pay five bucks for a premium on something like TechCrunch yeah. a month or whatever and get access to that stuff that you can flick through and yeah. can you can control F and find what you actually want to read. Yeah. You don't
0: have to go through. Get notifications pages crap, when you know, something so. new comes and you're not yeah. waiting around for it. Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. that's really confusing. Mm, yeah Um, so yeah I I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap it up with a few more fun questions that uh, are less intense than the opportunities of TikTok and YouTube and all (laughs) of that (laughs) I may go on a rant (laughs) here no I love it it's amazing I think we could be talking all night
2: yeah I could have as well like everything that you said is really I've taken a few notes actually about for example you building your own CSGO servers Something I'm trying to figure mm. out, <laughs> like how hard it is to do that, um, and mm. that's just your whole business model. Really, it's just really interesting to me. And some some notes that I've taken, it's been really good. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: I think like the biggest thing I've learned really as a startup founder, and you know, big esports. I looked at our contract the other day. It was you know we signed the shareholders agreement in November 2018, and the biggest thing over that time is the work is is the thing I'm the worst at, which is patience. I'm not good at patience at all. And I think that's a, a positive virtue in many senses. And that's why yeah. I say Kieran and I get along really well because we hate waiting for people when you don't have to. But also yeah. it's, it's really hard. You know, I remember in the past just being like a talk to a client. They seem interested. And the next day it's like, let's sign. What are you guys waiting for? Let's yeah. go. But, you know, sometimes they're busy. Sometimes they've got kids <laughs> to sit. Sometimes like whatever. But it's hard when you're sitting on that side, when you're punching up all the time. Yeah. As you do as a startup, you're always punching up. You're always convincing someone that they should work with you. You're always convincing someone that you're bigger than you are, that, you know, all this kind of stuff. That it's just so like ants in your pants just all the time, being like, Come on, come on, come on. And I feel like I feel like I'm just fighting and I feel like it's been like that since November last year, which is why startups burn out so much. It's I feel yeah. like I'm just fighting. Every day I'm fighting, fighting for those contracts, fighting for more revenue, fighting for something cool to happen, fighting for the industry to grow. Yeah. And it's just like I'm punching a heavy bag nonstop. And that's why you get burned out. But then one day that bag's gonna break and then that's when that's when it's going to start coming through.
0: Yeah, and it's it's yeah. nice to know that like other people are going through that as well. Um, because all you all you see on TikTok or Instagram, whatever, is you see the idealized version of a startup, which is you have an idea, you get a million dollars in funding, and then you just get this really cool office, and then you sell it, and you're a millionaire. And that's like
1: yeah. That like good yeah. joke in Rick and Morty about it when the yeah. devil makes a company, he's like <laughs> doing the welcome speech, it's like, Yeah, welcome everyone. He's like, We've just been bought by Google, go home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I, know the things, yeah. But I think that you, you do make
2: the point you now. You see these startups, and they're all like, Oh, yeah, fantastic, massive office. I've got 15, mm. you know, we're going to be as big as whatever Facebook. <laughs> um, but like, as you know, Steve, cause you've been through it, um, yeah. I'm, st- I'm still starting my startup, and I've gone through two directors. Uh, I've got two now, two new ones who have put on developers and stuff, but it's taken me three years to get to this point. It's not mm. been all an and stuff, and I still haven't got any mm. investors. Well, technically, I have now, but you know, it's all, it's been tough. It's been really hard three years. I've had to work full-time, which I don't think a lot of people understand. You have to work full-time and then work full-time again. You know, you're doing yeah. six hours at least every day, eight yeah. hours. Eight hours on your own thing, um, Mm. and then try to get eight hours of sleep if you
0: can. Yeah. Well, I always think the best thing I ever did for my my business was to actually quit my job and go full time. Because as I I was I was doing design stuff, I was doing some branding on the side where I was working, and then you know you get a few little bits coming through every now and then. But then as soon as I quit, it's like then I had time to focus on getting the clients and actually doing a much better job and then also having time to relax because keeping you know having time to relax is actually important like otherwise you do get burnt out and you do just hate everything and everyone yep.
1: <laughs> very true yeah and i would say adding on to that is not being in debt is is yes. one of the best things that i did and, and i have uh, yeah. You know, I have an emergency savings that's multiple months of my income, and that's fine. You know, I was, yeah. I was afforded that 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 possibility by working for Corsair, working from home, being paid a good salary compared to the industry average, um, nice. and you know, being very studious with myself and and very studious yeah. with my money in that way, and that enabled me to have that safety net. That I'm not worrying that a I don't have kids to feed, so that helps as well.
0: That, yeah, you know, good.
1: and and b yeah. I don't have a car loan or a house loan or anything or credit card debt that I have to pay off too. Yeah. So the money that comes in is mine. And I can do what I need to do with it. And that's why as a startup founder, say Jerry from Playside Studios, you know, seven years old now, they've got sixty, fifty, sixty staff, the largest independent games developer in Australia, games and app developer company. Yeah. You know, he didn't pay himself for the first year. He picked up a redundancy off EA, started the company, and he lived off that for a year. Of like twenty grand, I think his redundancy was. So it's a pretty frugal you know,
0: living. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially this this man loves Gucci. So I don't know how he did it. <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah. but you know, like it's, it's just what you have to do sometimes. But once again, yeah. it's like I was saying, it's, it's high risk, high reward. And that's, that's why you create a startup a lot of the time, but it's risky can control. It's not just pressing the button on the pokey machine. It's not just, you know, betting no. on the roll of the dice or on a horse winning or Conor McGregor knocking out Donald Cerrone in your yeah. It's something that you feel. And that's why, that's why people will, you know, invest in it as well because they'll invest in something they understand. So they have some control over. Yeah, if you're a PR agency, you might invest in an esports team because you know that you've already got contacts to all these brands that you think can help to sponsor it to make it a success. So you're much more likely to win rather than just flipping a coin and throwing down 50g and going heads.
0: Yeah, yeah, going.
2: Let's see. (laughs) Yeah, like for me as well. I think that's been quite a tough change for myself. Um, You know, I was a a contractor and I was earning 1600, two grand a month, and now I quit about what was it, two or three weeks ago, I think. And I'm mm. having to pay myself. I'm living off like four hundred, five hundred a month, and yeah. like being on that amount for like a good five years now. To suddenly being on the mo- most minimal amount I can live off for next, probably for the next eight or nine months. Yeah, I know it hasn't really hit me massively, but I know that it is going to in like the next <laughs> month. or so. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is really tough. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah,
0: but it changes. It changes your your complete outlook on things when you when you're kind of forced into that situation, it's like, you know what? I don't need to spend money on going out all the time. I don't need the, I don't need new clothes or anything. My clothes are like fine. Um, they're not falling apart. It does help that my partner is a fashion designer. So if I do break (laughs) my clothes, I'm like, can you just fix it or do something? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of final final couple of questions. What, what is your favorite game, either right now or like, of all time?
1: All time, Battlefield Two. Awesome. It's, it's yeah. a game I played um, throughout all of high yeah. school. Skipped a lot of school to play it, which <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> Don't do. And it, yes. yeah, I got a got a Battlefield Two tattoo on my leg to prove it. Have you? So I, wow. um, my my best mate has the. Just saw him one day, and he had an outline of a, of a two on his arm. Yeah. And I was like, bro, what the hell is that? And he's like, oh, it's the start of a Battlefield 2 tattoo, but he didn't get it shaded in. Yeah. And I was like, A, what the hell? B, it looks terrible. Because where the, the artist did, they must have been drunk. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't good. But <laughs> see, like, why didn't you get it coloured in as well? Like, it made no sense yeah. to me. So basically, I had a wedding coming up. And I said, screw it. I want a tattoo. I want it on my leg. So I got a Battlefield 2 too. And then the next year... When we caught up again for pax australia i said i'll get my second tattoo which is a pink floyd one
0: and Mm. you need to get yours fixed
1: up and he did so we you know did i was best band his wedding um just over a year ago now and we got a cool photo of us together of him for two tattoo on his arm and mine on my leg so figured out pretty well in the end but but yeah for two as much as a monumental um turd that could be at times with hit registration and such it's such a good game it's all i could think about for so long and you know we used to go after maths every Wednesday in grade 10 to hungry Jackson. We would flip over the piece of paper you get on your tray and we'd draw out maps and be like, this is a situation I was in last night. Here's what I did. And oh, you know, yeah. all that, all that kind of stuff it was so fun. I couldn't wait to get home every day to play that game. I never awesome. had the same feeling. You know, when I was mm. 18, I would go to his place after, after work or school, depending on what I'm doing, yeah. um, get there at, at five. And then I would play with him until 7am. Huh. Um, and then go to sleep, wake up at 1, play again until 6, and then drive home.
0: Oh, my um, God. So, yeah. you
1: know, I'd literally play until my like, brain couldn't work because you reach, yeah. like, this peak, you know, somewhere through the 12 cans of Coke we were drinking. Um, yeah. You'd reach, like, this peak, and then, you know, once you get to around 6, 7 a.m., you just know that your brain can't, like, do the things that you're telling it yeah. to do. Because yeah. telling your hands <laughs> to, like, shoot that guy, and you're not shooting him properly, and you're just dying. So, yeah, yeah that's when you, that's when you go, all right, I give up. I'm going to go yeah. get a few oh. hours of sleep. And then I'll play. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll just sleep off the sugar, and then we'll be back. We'll be back on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a time, man. What a time. Did you have a uh, a favorite gaming snack that you'd have? Um, not really. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. Coca Cola, I guess. Bit, yeah. a, bit of Pepsi Max, man. These days, trying to keep a bit less oh. sugar. You know, sugar kind of ruins me now. Yeah. But no, not really. It's just kind of whatever's around. I've been a proponent of um, savory foods, so. yeah whatever's whatever's happening never been a massive snacker i guess myself and part of that comes from saving money when you're earning minimum wage working in esports i guess but um yeah yeah, big fan of those big meals you know get the big meal in and
0: yeah yeah i like that um uh, yeah i quite like a big meal i like i do i do enjoy a bowl of cereal probably not the best (laughs) there's always been times where it's like almost tipped over and i'm like <laughs> you just stop
1: eating such cereal. a gamer, such a gamer thing, isn't it? A bowl yeah. of cereal you're playing. <laughs> yeah, like it's such a gamer thing. Yeah, I don't know anyone else who does that besides gamers.
0: Like has no. a nine pm bowl of cereal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like oh, what can I eat? Cereal. I mean, that's kind of yeah. all time food, really. Yeah. Or uh,
1: yeah. as they call it, dog food for
0: humans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> dog food for humans. I love that. I might yeah. calling it that actually. Um. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So that's kind of. I think that's, I mean, we could keep going on for hours, I think. So Mm -hmm. there's got to be a time where we wrap it up at some point. Um, So if you want to kind of promote whatever you want to promote for the next 30 seconds, minute or whatever it is, tell us Mm -hmm. what you're doing at the moment. Go for it.
1: Yeah, sure. So you can follow me on any of the socials at Smithy Mayo. Um, You can also follow Big Esports. You can head to Big Esports.gg, take a look, you know, we, one thing i didn't talk about is we we do have a pre-recorded um education piece on how to get into esports whether it's getting your first sponsor getting your first job or working away from another industry into there and and that's been rather successful for us and it's been picking up quite a lot recently and that's an online course you take it at your own time the first module's free you get added into a private community where you can talk to other people who do the same stuff um so you know if you're looking at an entry entry path in that's that's one way to get in there. And and part of that was because I was sick of telling everybody the same thing all the time and thought, well, what's a more efficient way that I can tell people the same thing, record a video, off you go. Sit in this, did in this, this here room. So you're getting to to see that preview of it too. But yeah, besides that, I'd also say head to gamer, gamer, which is a upcoming not for profit that's supporting charities in a gaming sense. They've raised a bunch of money and awareness for the Australian bushfires. I donated to them awesome. um, and I've worked with them before too. Yeah. The guys that run that, Josh Swifty and, and Aiden Hiko, fantastic boys, and they're going through the process of registering it as an actual charity. So, yeah, I'd say go check out them too.
0: Yeah, and we'll put all the links to all of those things in the description as well. Um, one really quick question um, with uh, Big Esports. Is there any kind of level of company that you're looking to work with or is it you can be a tiny company, massive, is there kind mm-hmm. of a, an idea? We're doing,
1: influencer, we're doing influencer campaigns, anything from 10K US to $1.2 million budget at the moment yeah. and, and upwards. So, yeah, it just really depends. You know, a lot of people say, what's your minimum in engagement? Um, for yeah. us and a lot of the time it's around 3k it's hard to justify as a company do anything under that yeah. Um, yeah and 3k is more of a passion you know we're working with one company at the moment around that but that's because i see a big upside in them i like the guys i like what they're doing and we're not going to yeah. lose money on it But we're not really going to make any money on it yeah. so it's it's, just, it's a something it's a yeah. good
0: project to do fun
1: yeah something i deem worth doing mm.
0: yeah Absolutely. for sure awesome well thanks for cool. thanks for coming on again it's uh no it's been really interesting talking to you and uh, we'll see everyone who's listened to this on the next one hey thank you for listening to the land party podcast we hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed recording it it's amazing talking to these incredible people we are always looking for more people to come on so if you're in the esports industry just get in touch and let us know you're interested in coming on board also land party is a project that we're working on right now And we are currently looking for investment to make it even more of a reality, to speed the project up, to make it better than it could be with what we've got at the moment. And we're also looking for developers who maybe want to come on board and work with us on creating this new technology that's going to change the face of eSports. So if you're interested in that, let me know, just drop us an email and we can start the conversation.